Welcome to Thoughts on 42, where we reflect on life, the universe, and everything. My name is Benjamin Heron. And I'm Nora Clark. And we are recording our first episode, and we don't really know what it's going to be. <laughs> first one. Well, I think it's actually a good time to be reflecting on life on 42 right now, because things in the world are a lot different than they to be or even they were three months ago and you can philosophically say that yes every day is different every month is different but quite literally what we're dealing with today compared like is unimaginable six months ago so i think it's a it's a good good place to start yeah no it's uh definitely an interesting time uh at the moment <laughs> Uh, to say the least, uh, it's it's definitely uh, quite uh, an interesting time, and um, I um, I guess one thing that uh, uh, we should say before we, we kind of dig into anything, I guess the name of the show, of what kind of what that means. Yeah. So the name of the show is a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy, and in that book and movie. 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And so this is kind of just our our thoughts on life, the universe, and everything. And uh, I'd like to kind of the, the cheekiness of the name a little bit. Um, so, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. And I definitely agree that this is a time that I think will definitely be written about in the history book. I think 2020 will definitely be one of the years that oh yeah kids will will learn about um you know I don't know if if 2016 is necessarily going to be one of those yeah I think it was the precursor you know the the earmark that made 2020 possible yeah and in a lot of ways but I mean even even then like 2016 is like it was it was divisive and, and there was stuff going on with the election of, of Donald Trump but I think that in the lens of history I think it might even just be forgotten a little bit like any other election year like we don't necessarily learn a whole lot about you know the election of uh, JFK over Nixon um, but we definitely know about things that happened during jfk's presidency right back to what what your point was uh which i agree on wholeheartedly is 2020 is a hell of a year well and something that i saw and i don't know if it was shared yesterday or today but i really really like it you know a couple weeks ago there was this joke really after the covid pandemic started and we all started working from home and with everything kind of weird like murder hornets i still actually (laughs) haven't looked into that one because i was just like i'm over it you know we kind of joked about like you be done with 2020 it's like not even may can we be done with 2020 and here we are june 4th and there is this image that was shared that's like we all kind of joked about how we were done with 2020 or can we cancel 2020 no 2020 is the year that we needed the pandemic for the united states I think a lot of people don't understand necessarily 
we really do need a unified healthcare system, but a lot more people understand it now, thanks to the pandemic. With Black Lives Matter, which started, I believe, in 2016, the Black Lives Matter movement in response to some very brutal police killings of Black people in the last month. It's just this people are seeing, finally seeing the systemic, just overall issue with how things are in place. And we don't want to cancel that. (laughs) We want people to see these things and make the change. So like when you were saying, you know, people are going to kind of forget even this important 2016 election, that really, really needs to be talked about in our history books. But as long as they don't overlook this, because hopefully we can continue on with what we're doing now. A lot of people have been comparing the protests in the last few days to the civil rights 1968 protests. They're saying it's it's so much more. And I hope that we can continue to move forward to make actual systematic change. So interestingly, I just looked up the Black Lives Matter like name of, of the movement actually started in 2013. If you can believe that. Okay. That's awesome. You know, we're, well, you can't see us, um, but we're two white people because, you know, we need two more white people speaking out on the internet. Right. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, obviously, I'm a white person of privilege, and I feel like, I think I've empathized with people uh, over the years, and I know that I'm scared of, of police. Like, I've gotten pulled over a couple times, and seeing them walk up to my car with their hand on their gun, like, that's scary as hell. And completely unnecessary. If they pull you over for a traffic, like, like it might be just an automatic, you know, their defense would be, oh, it's just an automatic reaction. Your automatic reaction is to just put your hand on your gun. Sorry, but no. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I know we're, we're bouncing around a little bit, but uh, definitely am always thinking whenever I see police in the United States, I always think about how different the way that our police are than a lot of other places like uh, in the UK police don't have guns right and if you need somebody with a gun you have to make a special call and i'm not saying you know we need to do exactly what the UK or any other country is doing but it's it's scary to me that the very first thing that police are taught to do in a lot of cases, or at the very least, what they first reach toward when they feel threatened is something that can very quickly end somebody. Yeah. It's not to um, reach for their taser, which every single police officer has. And yes, tasers are far from perfect because, you know, they can't be fired rapidly 
But at the same time, if your mission, as stated by pretty much every police department, to protect and serve the constituents around you, reaching towards your gun, that's scary as hell. And and I don't even have to worry about getting shot. Yeah. Well, and so you bring up a really good point uh, in that we are two white people and we are um, around 30 years old. Just turned 30. I'm 32. So we didn't grow up with this kind of new cycle in terms of police brutality necessarily, or at least to the extent that it is today. But I can tell you that, yes, in the last five to 10 years, I've definitely, I have a more heightened sense of our police, which is interesting because I have friends and family who are on police forces locally and across the country, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, you know, but the police brutality is the main thing and the scary thing. And the one thing that I, the reason why I am more worried in the last five years, especially about the police for myself personally is because of my husband, Chris has type one diabetes. And when we lived in Jacksonville, like when I was at work and he would drive anywhere, I was scared shitless because one of the symptoms, like if, if you go low, when you have type one diabetes, if you have a low blood sugar, you act like you're drunk. And so imagine going low while driving, but you're not actually drunk, get pulled over, or you cause an accident because you haven't been able to pull over in time or something. I think that's really where I don't think that's happened. But the cop doesn't know that you're type one diabetic. They don't stop to look at your bracelet. Having worked in news in Jacksonville, I did not trust JSO to treat my white husband well. I was scared for his life. I was sure that he would die if he had a low and he got pulled over and he was in the hands of JSO or that they would harass him because I saw a video. One of the first few months that I was in Jacksonville, there was video of a black man being uh, detained outside of a, like a quick stop or a, you know, a gas station. And he was saying, I'm a type one diabetic need some, I need a Coke. I need sugar. Just give me some orange juice, whatever. Like, please, I just need some sugar. My blood sugar is like really low. My meter's right here. And, and I think he, you know, didn't have a lot of money. He had a backpack. I don't think he was homeless, but he, he, he didn't look great, but they would not get him something to drink. They would not let him have access to his kit for them to see. Not that they even understood. And I tried explaining this to the reporter at the time. I was just completely enraged. Like, they can't do that. They can't do that. There is a law that was passed back. Somebody posted it recently that you can't um, not give somebody with a disability their medical equipment. And for someone with type 1 diabetes, insulin, a kit, is medical equipment. (laughs) Food literally as a medical equipment for someone going low they need sugar or they will die yeah and so just even that basic principle had me scared for my husband and so it, it's just and again we're white and we're privileged yeah 
to to think about my friends of color, my black friends, like it, you don't have to have type one diabetes. You don't have to, you could just be walking down the street, you could just be going for a run and you can feel that threat. So, um, and I mean, this is, this is an issue that we're, we're not going to talk about in the limited amount of time that we have today, or, you know, probably we'll, we'll never be able to fully discuss, but kind of, I, I don't think we could start a podcast now and, and not talk about this. And it's it's really important, I think, to both of us as well. I think we feel very deeply that we all need to do more. And uh, I think we we all, we want to. Yeah. One thing that is helping me to learn and to just have my eyes opened in, in some ways is uh, just hearing some of the stories of people out there. Um, I don't know about you, Nora, but I always watched some of the late night talk shows and stuff. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And I really love the way that they have different segments that uh, are inclusive of people on their staff, uh, including uh, some of the writers, one of whom is uh, named Amber Ruffin. And I'll put a link in the, in the show notes to one of the videos that she you made as part of their show this week, which again, because of COVID-19, they're recording from home. She's done some really powerful stories in lieu of their normal opening monologue, where you just share some stories about her life being a black woman and her interactions with the police. It's scary as hell. And nobody should ever have to feel scared the way that so many people of color do. Mm-hmm. I I know what it's like to, to live life being scared all the time, obviously not scared for my life, but I have social anxiety and, and I'm always anxious to some level, basically. And it I, I know how much that sucks. I cannot imagine what it is like to live your life Knowing that one wrong move, one wrong word could end up with you losing your life or your friend losing your life because we have systemic issues in our society. And I am definitely going to be one to admit that I am part of the problem. I am far from perfect. I know that I was raised by. Some people that were not very enlightened. Uh, and um, I was talking to one of my other friends today, uh, talking about how my mom and my, my stepdad are, they're racist uh, and they don't know it. But anyways, getting back to my point, I have to catch myself when I see somebody in, uh, somebody of color, you know, in a, in a hoodie at night, you know, walking around or walking towards me on the sidewalk, like I get scared and there is absolutely no goddamn reason to be scared. That is something that I have to work on. That is something that I have to do better at. Yeah, it's well, it's something that, you know, 
you have been taught not in school or like having known you for the time that I had known you, I know that nobody's taught you that. That is a inherent societal bias, right? That you weren't taught, oh my gosh, I don't like this black person. You see it in movies, see it in shows, and it just, it's in there in your head. Like, I know <laughs> I know that I know that I can say, you know, nobody probably taught you that. And that is the other thing, like that, exactly what you're saying, that systematic, systemic, it, it's in everything. And so you see it. And while you might not necessarily be aware of it, you're so ingrained to it, it becomes part of your process. And that becomes a part of your thinking. I, I have to say, for me, um, I don't think that I had an experience as a white kid that most white kids didn't have. My dad taught at Florida A&M University since before I was born, taught there for 31 years. So I grew up on FAMU's campus surrounded by black people. I went to an elementary school where the makeup of the school was almost uh, down the lines in terms of black and white. We had Native Americans. We had Indian. We had, I knew the difference between Indian and Pakistani in elementary school. Um, we had a Native American week as well as Black History Month. We, it was incredible. I went to a middle school where I was the minority and I did have shit thrown at me because the system segregated us in the early 2000s because I was in the pre-IB program and it was basically all white and they were concerned for our safety. I use air quotes around that. So I had a very different, you know, I wasn't confronted one day. I was leaving my CrossFit gym a few years ago and I was confronted by a black man on a bicycle who was just like, hey girl, you so fine. And I just ignored him. And he's like, you just ignore me because I'm a black man. And I turned right around and I said, excuse me, sir. I'm not ignoring you because you're a black man. I'm ignoring you because I'm a woman and I don't like people talking to me like that. My dad works right over there on that hill at FAMU. I grew up around black people. I'm fine with no one being around me and me clearly I'm confronting. So I had a very different experience, but again, I am not black. (laughs) I have a lot of black friends and, and they continue to educate me. I have been continued to be educated in the last days. But when I hear like your story, you know, that is just a reminder of (laughs) how deep it's rooted into our system that these friends of ours, our, our, our black brothers and sisters have been rooted against us by so many systems and rooted as unequal in our education systems, in our healthcare systems. It's just, it's sad. And I'm really glad that you are the person that you are to be able to see these things, you know, and work on them and be able to talk about them. Cause that is really hard. I'm sure that was a really hard thing to say. Ben. (laughs) yeah, it's, it's not easy. And I mean, I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with it's it's something that i've seen multiple times over the past uh few days is that one of the major problems one of the major things that white people have to get over is that this stuff is hard 
that it's uncomfortable, that it, nobody likes saying that they're wrong or that they have racist tendencies. I don't think that I'm racist. Um, I have black friends, not nearly as many as I do white friends, but I know how difficult it is to say that I'm not perfect, even as much as I try and be an ally of everybody, not just people of color, but, you know, LGBTQ community or anybody that does not have an equal footing in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's so difficult to say that you're wrong and that you have been wrong and that you need to change. But at the same time, that's, that is a privilege that you have, whether you admit it or not, to be able to be in that position to have a choice to confront that or not. And that's not something that I could live with myself. I would be ashamed of myself every single day if I did not do what little I can to help. You know, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not at our city hall. I'm not at the state capitol building protesting every day like many of my friends are. Um I've got one that's reporting on it every single day and is live tweeting everything that's going on and, and writing stories for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've got another friend that is there when she's done with work and and things. But I am trying to do what little I can and showing my support. I am now donating yeah. monthly to the Black Lives Matter movement because again I have white privilege. I have extra money. And, you know, I, I can say that, you know, maybe I should be saving that money because I'm not good with money. And that would be, you know, good to have in my, my bank account. But money is nothing compared to a life. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop ranting for a second and uh, see if I can calm down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were ranting. I wish I could rant like you. That was very calm and peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't 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 get me started ranting on anything. I can I can usually go. Well, I I think that is a really good point to bring up. There's two things. One, there are different ways to be active in this. I had a friend get on their Instagram stories and basically say like if you're not out protesting, you're not helping. And I was just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back that up." I'm not trying to justify what I'm doing is better than what you're doing, but I don't think that what I'm doing is meaningless. And while I totally support you going out and protesting right now, for me and my husband who are immunocompromised, we are still very aware of COVID. We are living fully in this movement as well as COVID. And we're, we're very cautious of that. You know, my sister is out in Birmingham protesting and more power to her. I completely support her. I have a friend here. I told her, if you need me, I live right by the hospital. I can come and I can take you to the hospital. I can come and pick you up. I can, whatever you need me to do. Do not call me for water. I'm not going to go drop off water. You go prepared. <laughs> so like, 
I'm here to support. And I'm, I'm, you've seen my Instagram. I've probably been blowing it up too much. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think you can do too much right now. No, I actually pulled up your Instagram to, to find, I, I've seen it a couple times. I'm sure well, at least once on your Instagram, but it was, there have been multiple posts that I've seen where, that I've said in one form or another that activism and doing your part in the Black Lives Matter movement in, in, in any thing that you care about, it's not a one, it's not a one lane street. It's, yeah. th- there's multiple ways that y- you can give. and. So pulling up your, your posts, some are posting on social media like we are, some are protesting in the streets. Some of us can't, I can't because, well, one, I'm scared, but two, I'm, I'm trying because of the pandemic right now, I'm trying to protect my stepfather because he is immunocompromised and some are donating, some are just educating themselves because as we both said just knowing about these things is a step in the right direction. Uh, and some are having tough conversations with friends and family, and others are just trying to make it through the day because it's not an easy time right now in any way, shape, or form. You know, we've got a pandemic, we've got protests, we've got 40 million people that are unemployed right now in the United States alone. And it's not easy. So do what you need to do. But obviously, if you can do something, whatever it is, do it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, too, on top of that, um, like taking care of yourself, finding your outlet, your mental health resources, recentering, because this work isn't going to stop it's not like some big change is going to happen and everything's going to be all better again this is a systemic issue embedded in so much of our country some of the stuff that's been posted is is a timeline from 1619 until now and it's like y'all that's a long time to break down dismantle rebuild it ain't going to happen in a day yeah, you're you're not going to undo over 400 years of history in in a day, in a week, in a year. Um, it's going to take a long time. One of the things that we've talked about just now, but that is really important to understand as as part of the Black Lives Matter movement, is that this is not just about police brutality. This is also about the economic and social differences between people of color and white people. One thing that I, I saw was when you are funding schools, uh. funding a, a school district with property taxes, and you're sending kids to schools based on where they live, if you have kids that are living in a poor neighborhood, their school is not going to be as well funded as a rich neighborhood. And is that right? I mean... Like, if you have money and you can afford to do something, sure, I mean, use your money to do that thing. If you want to send your kid to a special school, that's great. But that, in in my mind, should not mean that any kid has any less of an education. Well, both both my parents 
work in education and my grandfather worked in education. So we get started on the education, then you're really going to get me into a rant then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I'm sure we can both go a lot longer on this. I don't know if we should maybe stop here for today and maybe kind of close and, and talk a little bit about maybe what else we want the show to be about because it will not always be about this. This is something that is obviously really important right now and foremost in our minds. We are happy, positive people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'll, you'll definitely hear some of my crazy laughs. I have a few of them. Some of them are very loud over the, the course of, of recording this podcast. Not many of them today. But yeah, we are we are generally happy and go lucky people, believe it or not. Well, and it's it's hard to be right now. It is just because everything is so heavy. And I don't know if you noticed this day. I did not post an intention on my Instagram this morning, and normally I do to kind of help guide me when I'm ADD or when I'm feeling sad or when I'm like so happy about something, but. It's, and it's not work related, but I got to be focused on work. You know, like I set an intention to kind of like guide me today. I didn't. And I think, first of all, we, it, we have to start talking about this. If, if we started this podcast on June 4th, 2020, and we did not talk about what was going on in the world of events today, that would be very privileged of us. <laughs> I think it's a good thing we started talking about this, but I definitely want to encourage people that, yes, I think let's give like a little recap of some of our daily things that we text about NASA uteruses, <laughs> which I'm sure people are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a weird, this is going to be a weird list. Oh, this is, is going to be a weird Come list. On, you guys. We are slightly random people, slightly ADD. So yeah, we, we text about a lot of things. We, we text about how gross looking the kombucha that you're making is every time that you post about it on Instagram. Oh my gosh, that is so nasty looking. So, ugh. so I make kombucha and it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So we text about food. I know where all the best fries are in Tallahassee because you got to. Uh, which someday we're, we're, we have to do a, a fry tour of Tallahassee apparently. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about food. Talk about plants. We talk about anxiety uh, and mental illness. Oh, yeah. We both are high anxiety. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. We're, we're just two friends, and you know we talk about everything you know, privately, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things here. Like we said, you know, not always going to be this, but it, would, it really would have been wrong of us to not talk about it. So look forward to some more things that are positive and uplifting and other things that are going to be really serious that are you know, going to get us choked up and, and are going to be things care deeply about. So I guess uh, we got one episode in the bag, Nora. We did it. I'm so <laughs> excited. I know it was heavy and so it's it weird. Like I think you can hear the difference in my voice from before to now, but I am really excited that we just did it. Me too. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can you can you know hear hear the change in my voice a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, I know I I definitely uh, had to keep myself from crying a couple times, but 
I'm I'm really glad that that we're doing this, and I think this is going to be a really good way for us to kind of talk about some of the things that that we care about and and don't necessarily have an outlet for a lot of time. Definitely, I agree on that. This has been our thoughts on 42, uh, the life on ah blah blah blah. blah. Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this has been thoughts on 42. Life, the universe, and everything. I guess we'll say goodbye now, Nora. Sounds good. Bye, you guys. Bye.